just, um, it's cool how things happen differently, eh? You know, it's cool how he just turns it up, changes it up, and you always got to be on your toes. You always got to be constantly connected so you can flow with him and not what you had before. So you move when the spirit moves and you sense what's happening in the hearts of people as well because it's, it's so interconnected between him and us and us and him. You know, the relationship he longs for is so interconnected, it's intertwined. And so, yes, God is completely sovereign to move at will. But in my own experience, I find that he moves with people more than he just moves on his own will. Like he holds back because he wants partnership. He wants this duality. He says, you know, if you draw near to me, then I'll draw near to you. And so if you don't draw near to me, well, then I'll, even though he has drawn near, it's this beautiful relational thing that he wants. He wants, like we've talked about, wants to dance with us. He wants us to be so in tune and entwined with him that we are one, literally. And I just think it's a beautiful thing to be invited to the dance. Garth Brooks sang a song, The Dance, and I won't sing it, but it was a beautiful song. But um, this is something that he put on my heart during the week um, through our own time as a family and just the song that I think the kids may be listening to, Jeremiah 33, 3, Call to Me and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. And God wants to put courage in you today. Not encourage you, he wants to put courage in you. Because it takes courage to live a life as a follower, doesn't it? You know, people say Christianity is a crutch. Then they've never known Christianity. You know, I don't know about you, but following Christ has been the most beautiful thing, but the hardest thing I've ever chosen to do. Because he calls you to live a supernatural life. Now, supernatural is just the opposite of living natural. So natural is to look after me first. Supernatural is to think about you first. I'm not talking about signs and wonders. I'm talking about, although this is a miracle, to put yourself sick in the head of someone else is a miracle, isn't it? Because it's so opposite to natural so we have been called to live a supernatural lifestyle. It's when you're offended, you love. That's not natural. Natural is to smack back, isn't it? That's the natural response. That's the flesh. That's the world's response. It's to do the opposite. To give money is not natural. It's supernatural. And he wants to put courage in you to live a supernatural life. Because that's the life we've been called to live. Nothing short. A supernatural way of being. And Jeremiah finds himself, and I love the title in my book. It says, Restoration Promised. I just get a sense there's a number of us here today that are not in a great place, but another day's coming. And God uses everything, doesn't he, to grow us. And so often we don't learn what we're supposed to learn in the horrible place. But what we learn in the horrible place sets us forth for the future and propels us 
And so there's always something that we are to learn no matter where we're at. And in the calling to God, he shows us things that we didn't know before. But see, in the horrible place, if we call away and look to others, then we never get to realize what we should have learned in the place. And so we never really grow. We just stay where we are, and then we continue in that place, and yet we should have come out of the place because we called in the pain. Do you know pain is the greatest motivator for change? Anyone experience that? It is the greatest motivator to get you out of you. It's my own personal testimony. And most of us won't change until we have to because the hurt becomes so painful, the only other option is to turn to him. And if we would learn to turn to him at the first place of pain, we can shorten the pain. (laughs) You can shorten your time in the hard place because we call to him. And in this particular passage, Jeremiah is in prison. He's in prison. Let's read it. Jeremiah 33, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the second time. It's amazing to hear, receive the word of God, the living word of God that puts hope and courage in you, that changes you, that paints a future reality that's to be realized because that's what the word is. The word is prophetic. The whole entire book is prophecy, and it speaks of a future reality to be realized. See, once it's become realized, it's no longer prophetic because it's been realized. It's no longer future, it's now. And God wants us to come into what is the future, but now. And it's a continuous process with God. This is a continuous thing. So there's untold promises in the book, isn't there? There is an untold realm and reality for the church to realize now, to walk in by faith, to realize again. And again, so it's this continuous process of living in prophecy. I love what Mal said the other week. She said, we're to be pregnant with prophecy. Man, I got a whole word on that that came from that just as I was driving in the car. It's horrible when you get a download and you're in the middle of the motorway and you're like, I don't want to jump on my phone because that's breaking the law. I've got all this stuff. I don't want to reach it in case I crash. But you're talking to me, and I'm going, oh, help me, help me, help me. And so you, I don't know about you guys. What I do, I keep repeating what he's saying. So I'm driving going, da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. I've got to pull over soon, got to pull over soon, looking for an exit. Got to pull over. Pregnant with prophecy means to be pregnant with the word because the word is prophetic. And... God is wanting to put something in Jeremiah. He says, if you would call to me, you're in prison, not looking that great. Do you think God speaks to you in prison? Do you think he speaks to you in the dark place? Do you think he did? But sometimes we don't think he will. Sometimes we think it's going to be in the lights and the glamour and the this, and when life's all good. But more often than not, God screams in the darkness. But that scream can also be a whisper, can't it? And so Jeremiah's not in the greatest place here. He's in prison. He's being guarded, saying, Thus is the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. So God is giving him, God is giving some, um, his, his CV here. So I'm going to tell you who I am, Jeremiah, because what I'm about to say is a promise from who I am. So the creator of the universe is going to speak to Jeremiah, and he's going to speak a promise 
So he just reminds Jeremiah who he is because Jeremiah has sort of got a little bit maybe apathetic with who God is because he's so used to it that, oh, yeah. And so God reminds him, and then he says this. He says, call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. What does it mean to call to someone? What, what volume of your voice is raised when you call to someone? Loud. It's not like, hey Greg, over here. You know, we want to get our children's attention. We call to them. Madeline, stop! It's not, hey Madeline, stop. So he says, if you call to me, when was the last time you called? When was the last time you called to him? When was the last time you invited him in? He wants relationship. We know Revelation 3.21 says that God stands on the outside of the door and he's knocking. That door is the door of the church's heart. It's not a message for the lost. It's a message for the church. So God is knocking, going, call, call. So he says to Jeremiah, call to me. Who's me? The created one. The creator. The one who has always been. The one who has always will be. The alpha, the mega, the beginning and the end. The one that said, let there be light. And there was instantaneous light. The one that said, come out, Lazarus, for you are now healed. And your spirit's now back in your body. And Lazarus came out. That one says to you and I, my people, my children, call to me. How many of us as parents want intimate relationship with your children? How many of you want them to share their innermost parts of their heart and their mind? How many of you, if they're going through issues, you would want them to share those issues with you firstly and really maybe not their friends? It's the same with him. He's no different. Why do we see him as different to us when he created us? Why is it that we struggle to see his ways through the lens of the physical when we do the natural thing? But when it comes to God, somehow it's this awkward thing. It's like we, we don't act the way we do here with our own children with him. And somehow they don't relate, but this came from that. So these ways came from him. As a physical demonstration, as a foreshadowing to show us him and his way. His love is exquisite. His heart for you and I is so incredible. What he wants and longs for you to experience is off the planet. To experience a life of supernatural living. Do you know it's possible to not be offended on earth ever? Do you know that is possible? Do you know it's possible to have so much of God in you? Why? Because you've called to him and he's actually shown you something in him and put that in you that you didn't know before, that you know had no reference before, but now you do. 
It is fully possible who he has in mind for us to become. There aren't words in the English to describe it. It's phenomenal. It's indescribable. It's incredible that it is fully possible for you and I to live an offense-free life. Because the God in us is formed so much that we then are able to demonstrate the very way that he demonstrated. If you would call to me, Jeremiah, I want to show you things that are in my reality. I want to show you things. I want to put in you things that you think are so far out of your capability, and they are in you, but in me they are fully possible. Call to me, and I will answer you. You know, the woman at the well, Jesus said to her, he said, you don't receive this living water because you're not asking. When was the last time you asked with a right motive for a God will thing? Not something for yourself in the sense of a selfish motive, but something that wasn't even really about you but was for him. When was the last time you asked, Father, what are you doing in this community? What are you wanting to do in me? See, if you want to receive, you've got to ask. That's what I love about kids. They're always asking. My eldest is always asking. It actually annoys me. I'm trying to tell her you don't have to ask all the time. It's like, wait, and let if it comes to you. But she knows that if she asks, she gets. She gets, this is the way. I ask. I'm never going to receive if I don't ask. So I ask. And we have to find that tension, don't we? We have to find that place where we ask. Even it says you don't receive because you don't ask. But then you have to find the other truth that says ask with the right motive. Because you don't receive because you don't ask with the right motive. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. So there are things right now you and I don't know about him, yeah? There is a reality that we are yet to experience. That he waits and longs to share his heart with us. That you would then realize. So it's no longer I don't know it, I know it. Because it's now a realized position in God. Isn't that beautiful? See, Paul said the same thing. He said the same words. He said it this way. He said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, has entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him, but he revealed it to us in the spirit. And these things I freely tell you, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit. So he's repeating Jeremiah's words. Because it's one big story. And Paul and Jeremiah were people of the Spirit who sought the Lord, who received from the Lord. What for? Just for themselves. No, then they would declare those things to the church, that the church would also ask and knock on the door of heaven to receive those things. So the church could live from the same reality that Jeremiah and Paul were. Because they were not special people. See, we think they're special chosen ones. No, they were given a specific task and graced with the task, but they're filled with the Spirit like we are. They were human beings like we are. 
And so all these things are fully possible for you and I. And no matter where we're at today with what you're going through, bring them into it. If you haven't, bring them in. But also be prepared for the answer that what he gives you. Because sometimes we ask, and if the answer doesn't come the way we want, we go, that can't be him. He goes, no, that was me. No, 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 because it needed to come like this. It needed to happen like one, two, three, four. He goes, yeah, but that's not how it's going to happen this way because it goes four, two, six, eight, nine, eleven. But it is me. And we see this picture here where Jeremiah's guarded and yet the Lord speaks because the Lord can speak anywhere at any time to anyone, yes? And that's why it says, pray to me consistently. That's why it says, always be in a mode of prayer. Always be in a mode of conversation with me. Because I long to speak about certain things to do with you, to do with your family, to do with the church community, to do with business, to do with X, to do with Y. I'm constantly wanting to share me with my people. Because I long to see my people be the transformational family that I write about in the book. I long to see... My people, my children, grow in the spirit who then start reflecting more and more me. And the way this happens is as we call to him, because we don't think we've got it all together, we don't think we know it all, we walk in humility. And as we call from this place, often of desperation and of brokenness, because we're trying to hang on to ourselves, aren't we? We don't want to go there. But I would say today, allow yourself to go there. Allow yourself to die. <laughs> what? Allow the last bit of you to be drained from you. <laughs> David found that place. I've realized, I've figured it all out that you actually don't want offerings and sacrifices. God, you helped me figure it out through the brokenness of my adultery and my murder. That you know what? Before it ever became about me offering you anything, you were looking for a broken and contrite heart. Thank you for showing me through my silly decisions that actually had me thinking I could do all those things and get away with it. Thank you for loving me so much that you brought a man named Nathan to me to realign me. Thank you there are things that I'm yet to discover, and through the act and the love and the obedience of another man, you brought him into my life to realign me, that I would come into the fulfillment of what I was called to as King David. Thank you that your love covered my sin. You know, his love's covering you, isn't it? You see, grace, let me read this. No, it's over there. I'll see if I can paraphrase it because I wanted to put the right words. But grace is not, no, I'll tell you what grace is. That's better. Grace is the enablement to live out what we're called to in the truth. Grace is the enablement God gives the church to live out what he's calling us to. 
I love that. I heard that through Todd White two or three weeks ago. I loved it. Grace is the empowerment. There is a grace that covers and there is a grace that releases divine favor and power to live out what you and I are called to. Have we realized that? Is that something that we've received that we are now living from? And it may be something God is saying, call to me, because I have a grace that you are yet to live from. And as you call to me, I'm going to tell you and show you things that you do not yet know, that you have yet to experience, that's going to help you as my children. It's going to empower you to live what you think is impossible, and it's going to make it possible. It's going to release you from you. And that's really what happened to this guy, these guys in Acts. They were released from themselves by God, through God, because they received a measure of the law which unconnected them, repositioned them, and then sent them. And then they lived what we're calling a super natural lifestyle. See, they were selling houses and then bringing the money and laying them at the apostles' feet so there was not a need that wasn't met. That's not natural, is it? That is super natural, but that's just living by the Spirit. See, you've received God's grace that enables you to live beyond what is natural. It starts at the core, isn't it? It's, it's at the basics. So often we, we want to sort of start at the real cool stuff like healing and see all that. And look, I love when God heals someone. But it starts at love. It says you can do all that, but if you don't have the basics down, which actually aren't the basics, they're the whole deal, that's the whole story, then let's focus here. So... Having an abundance of grace because you've received, because you've called out to the Lord, now finds you being able to love and fulfill the great commandment. So you're able to fulfill the commandment because of receiving, because like Jeremiah, you called out to the Lord and received more of him. I love this, which you do not know. It sort of kills any pride, eh? Just cuts it right there. It's supposed to, you know. And you see other scriptures, don't think more highly of yourself. You don't yet know as you ought to know, even though you know some things. And I just want to encourage us to seek him. Ask like you've never asked. Because I said about the woman in John 4, she's there with her well, sorry, her bucket, and she's come for natural water. And yet the living water is standing right beside her. How many times have you been in a position where you haven't really maybe recognized him? He's been standing right in front of you. You've been hearing and being declared, and you're somewhere else. And you're completely oblivious like she was, and yet the answer is right in front of you. The answer is right in front of you, but because you're not looking, you can't see it because you're waiting to hear a specific thing which actually is fleshly and not the spirit, so you miss it. But he's so beautiful, he'll come round again. And he'll come round again. 
And it'll keep coming around and around and around in the hope that you're going to get it. Why? Because his love is not natural. His love is supernatural. And he'll even send you people that will keep going round and round the mountain with you. She'll be coming round the mountain and we're going. <laughs> That's what it means to walk together. Carrying one another's burdens until we all, because we're all calling out to him. And he's like saying, if you'd asked me, there's water here which is eternal. There's water that is not temporal. There's water that will take away your thirst like nothing else because I am the water. And I want to wash you, lady, in living water. And I want to bring you into a realm that you're not in today. You see, what's interesting about that is she had been married five times. She was with a sixth man. And she meets Jesus being the seventh man. The number seven is the number perfect. Isn't that cool? She meets the perfect man. So she's looking. She's looking to find her identity, her purpose, her life in men. She's looking for fulfillment in someone else. And even said, and she, you know, he says, oh, this, you're six. And he, she says, oh, my, my other husband, no, you're not married to him. How about we get married? That's cool, eh? That just came to me right then. That's what we've been looking at. How about we get married? Isn't that what it's all about? Have you received the revelation of the bride of Christ in your heart yet that's turned you around because you have called to the Lord and received the revelation so now your life has been, I'm letting go of my idols and I'm grabbing hold of him? So he's been declaring a realm. And I know we are, but I encourage us to do it more. And it's the same question for this woman because she was looking in all the wrong places like the song says. And the seventh, the perfect man turns up and says, do you want living water? Ask and you shall receive. Seek, knock, and the door will be open. Who's the door? See, Jesus wasn't a doormat. He was the door. Enter in. So, Father, I pray, that's it. I pray, Lord, that we would call the promise that you gave Jeremiah. You gave him a promise. You said, if you call to me, I will show you things that you do not know. I pray, Lord, that those words you gave me just before, he is the answer. He is the answer would be a stepping stone to calling. No matter where we're at today, no matter what we're going through, trial, tribulation, hard times, sickness, whatever it is, I pray that we would turn and call with a right heart, Father. You can handle every emotion. You can handle us, Lord. You love us. So I pray that as we call, we'd be authentic and real and just enter into something that we may not have yet entered into in you that would release us. Father, we thank you that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.